What we do with people is we start teaching them how to organize their mind, how to make meaning, good meaning, out of what's going on in their body. We create a way of organizing the mind to make it not only effective, but creative. The way that most people's minds are built right now is it's very destructive. There's a lot of focus on what people do not want to happen. The pictures and the stories that are being generated in your mind over and over and over again is creating your reality. I've had the experience, I've watched other people go through the experience of changing their perception of the world through changing their language, and then all of a sudden, colors get brighter, and the ability to see opportunities, and that this opportunity was fucking right under my nose this whole time. Oh, now I know how to take advantage of it. That's Mike Bledsoe, and this is episode 284 of Wellness Force Radio, where we discover the physical and emotional intelligence to live life well. Welcome to Wellness Force. This is Josh Trent. I trust you're having a beautiful day wherever you are, in the car, outside. Well, you're alive. We're breathing. We're still here. You're, you made it. <laughs> this is half the battle is just being in this physical meat suit. Have you been seeing the incredible content? We've been putting out for Wellness Force over the past two weeks, the behind-the-scenes tour of Paul Check's Heaven House on our YouTube channel, the Birch Organic Mattress product review, the double dose of podcasts over the past month, twice a week. There is so much rich content for you to explore over at wellnessforce.com forward slash podcast. And this week, I have a big question for you. Have you ever heard of the term cognitive fitness? I've heard of cognition. I've heard of fitness. But this is the first time I've heard them put together. Cognitive fitness is a fascinating term and an even deeper subject to explore. We're learning about what this means to increase our wellness from sought after coaches and speakers, Mark England and Mike Bledsoe today on the podcast. This wraps our final live in-person episode from Paleo FX in Austin, Texas. Now, this episode was very unique. We were sitting on a couch at the top of a VIP stairwell as thousands of people were walking by and we just happened to be having a powerhouse conversation about the power of our words for the quality of our lives. We talked about this on the show with Mary Shores, but Mark England, he is the founder of Procabulary. Mark would say we're using, quote, the language of getting things done. Mark has been studying methods and techniques for personal empowerment for 10 plus years. He has a master's degree in international education and is a NLP master practitioner. Now, he does something really unique. He blends his academic and spiritual presence along with Mike Bledsoe, the former host of Barbell Shrugged and the host of The Bledsoe Show. He's also the co-founder of Enlifted with Mark England. Now, this Enlifted program, it's a breakthrough mindset program designed to create and sustain lasting mental frameworks for increased cognitive fitness and verbal strength. Speaking of being strong, I was just flexing my bicep. The strength comes equally from our mind and body when it comes to CrossFit workouts or hiking or swimming or literally anything you do. Our show sponsor today is a huge supporter of keeping you physically and athletically ready. It's about recovery, really. We don't get stronger when we work out. We actually get stronger when we recover properly. This is why Wellness Force partnered with LifeAid Beverage Company, creators of the FitAid Zero and the FitAid Zero RX. So far, after my workouts, the favorite is the FitAid Sugar-Free Zero. Check this out. It has glutamine, glucosamine, turmeric, BCAAs, CoQ10, full-spectrum B-complex. This is officially now my favorite recovery drink after the gym or hikes or nature. I'm loving this. I know you're going to love it too because you're part of this show with us. You actually get $20 off 48 cans 
of the Zero and the Zero RX. It tastes amazing. This is the ultimate hookup, 20 bucks off, really generous. And if you're already looking for a healthy, nutrient-rich beverage that can give you better recovery, give yourself the gift, $20 off 48 cans of Zero and Zero RX. You can mix and match over at wellnessforce.com forward slash zero. That's wellnessforce.com forward slash zero. Support our friends over at LifeAid who support this podcast and at the same time, recover better and smarter with a great tasting drink. Now, we all know that life changes and we grow wiser. Our bodies change too. Our goals change. If we're going to live in these dynamic meat suits on this dynamic blue ball in space, the whole set it and forget it mindset is not going to work. Cognitive fitness, which we're talking about today on the show with Mark and Mike, is about dynamism. It's about adaptability and capacity over time. They say being cognitively fit means having access to a variety of practical tools for a variety of different situations. These are utilized to build a framework for sustained success. We also talk about Procabulary, founded by Mark England, that I personally have gone through and Lauren from our team has gotten massive value from. This online language up-leveling program builds fun and simple, easy-to-use tools that can help you discover direction and purpose and really turbocharge your goals. We all communicate with words all day long, so... In your daily tasks, in regular communication, I think you're going to be really surprised by some of the turnarounds and reframes that we use with language on this show. This was a true fun back and forth like tennis match conversation where the two of the brightest minds in wellness and personal development sat down with me live at Paleo. I know you're going to love this conversation. Make sure you give Mark England and Mike Bledsoe a huge shout on Instagram and social. And of course, learn more about vocabulary and Enlifted at the show notes page for wellnessforce.com forward slash 284. Mike, this has been coming for me and you for like a year. Mark, December, we met. I was on my way to Thailand doing some Soma breath work. And a friend said, you need to talk to Mark England, not just about vocabulary, but about life. What is it about you that draws people into you, man? I don't know, man. It, it could be my slow southern drawl. It could also be that sometimes when people are traveling to Thailand, they want to talk to someone who's already been there. Yeah. So I can, I can say yes to that. Um, what do you think of the land of smiles, bro? Well, the thing with Thailand, um, it was abject poverty and, and total chaos, but also extreme beauty and total presence. And the thing I liked the most was these people love no matter where they are. It's a very interesting way to learn about life is to go to a foreign country. And out there, they sell uh, gasoline out of whiskey bottles on the street that you pour into a scooter. It's red. Very crazy environment. Yet, uh, most people are there. There's there's two kinds. There's like people that go there to kind of escape and they just want to go to like tantra classes and kind of escape from the real world. And then there's people that go out there to do a deep dive. Are you saying tantra classes are not the real world? Well, part of tantra can be in the real world. But uh, there's workshop divers that just go from like workshop to workshop. That sounds pretty ideal to me. Yeah, it does sound good. (laughs) (laughs) But but when we connected, it's it's funny, like meeting you in person in Encinitas, totally different than on the phone. Have you guys ever experienced this? You talk to somebody on the phone and you meet them in person. It's like, whoa. Uh, I've done that, yeah. Complete polar opposites. Like you struck me on the phone as like... um, uh, someone who had like lots of energy. And then when I met you in person, I don't know if you just done like a combo ceremony or something, but <laughs> you were very grounded. And it was almost like you were um, in almost like a teaching mode of some sort. Remember when I met you at the store? hundred percent. What, what, what were you going through that day? That's how I roll, man. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, I like a slow pace. Yeah. A slow, smooth pace. Mm-hmm. The beard had something to do with it. Yeah. I grow that thing in and I get, I get even a little more feral. Which I like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a big kickboxing background. 
I've done some kickboxing. You've yeah, you've yeah. worked on your inner caveman for quite some time. I have, man. It's um, you know, I look at dogs, and the little dogs that you see that that the little yappy dogs that just that, that shake a lot. They're they're very nervous. Those things used to be wolves. When I put two and two together, that humanity is basically in a process of continually domesticating themselves. I was like, man, I, I, I got to get a little more wild. That was about 15 years ago. And yeah, it works. Mm-hmm. I feel better. Yeah. I feel wilder. And the roots run deep. You're in Thailand for how many decades? Almost was, 10 years, right? I was over there for 10 years. Mike, have you been to Thailand? No. What's up? Are you going to go? Keep avoiding it. <clears throat> What's the avoidance process? What is that? He just wants to go with us. Oh. Yeah, well, it's true. It, it, this is fascinating to me because travel builds so much character, builds so much heart, you know, to go around the world. Um, what have you learned the most by living in Thailand? That's a very, very good question. What have I learned the most? Yeah. Uh, Thailand broke me, and I needed that. So I went over there for kickboxing. And shortly after I got there, I found myself on the, the operating table getting my second knee surgery. So the game changed. It's, the whole thing stopped. And I would have been a, a very small fish in a very big pond anyway. Yeah. Because that is the mecca of Thai boxing, obviously. Sure. Ba- Bangkok. And then, then I'm, I'm, I'm sidelined and watching my dream happen for other people while I'm, I'm, I'm all wrecked. And I'm so glad that that happened because I was in a very self-serving mode. The most important thing for me, number one, was, was competition and, and fighting. And I gave, you know, I was a good friend and everything, but, but I gave very little back to the community. I didn't even think about it. I had to, to have that, that version of me and my addiction to that version of me, that identity, smashed. And I wasn't going to do it on my own. I needed, I needed a massive change of environment. It is exactly on the other side of the globe of Richmond, Virginia, from where I'm from. Bangkok is on the very opposite side of the earth. and like The opposite magnetic pole. Opposite. It's, it's a complete opposite. And I went over there, smashed myself up, and I'm like, I'm not going home. I'm not going back to that life, not being able to participate, because that's what everybody knew me as. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to stay here and uh, suffer till I figure things out. Yep. And um, I will always be grateful to Thailand, eternally grateful. Uh, and I'll always go back. So, you know, it's a, it's a decent trip to get over there, man. <sighs> three, uh, two boats, three planes, a lot of sitting. A lot so of sitting. A lot of like, like, like it was 20 hours for me to get to Thailand. You know, on one of those 14-hour flights, you know, you, you get in, you watch two movies, eat, have a meal, take a nap, and you wake up and you still got eight hours. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. But, but it's, it's, it's always so close to me in my, in my mind. It's like, oh, Thailand is just right there. All I got to do is tap some keys, and I'm, I'm walking out the airport in Bangkok. And when I hit, when I walk out of the airport in Bangkok and I smell Thailand, it's got a certain smell to it. Mm-hmm and feel it and hear Thai language, people speaking Thai, I'm home, dude. I've always got, I've always got a place to go. Yeah. I'll always feel comfortable there. And um, it, yeah, it, it, gave me, it, it gave me the opportunity 
to to learn the language game, to learn the story game, and to and 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 to give me the opportunity to to reflect on myself in a way that I could not possibly do in the United States. Yep. Not a chance. So did you come to vocabulary fruition out there? Is that where it flourished? Is that where the seed was planted? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you had been instructing for how long out there by the time vocabulary came up? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. So I, was, I lived in Bangkok for five years. I was a, a sports teacher at an international school. Great job, man. Just loved, loved the kids. Yeah. Um, I played dodgeball. I played dodgeball. I took kids swimming. Just super fun. Taught them frisbee. Like we'd, we'd do one whole quarter just frisbees. That's it. I'd take 30 kids and a stack of frisbees out to the field and just pitch them. I was also on an American calendar. And so I had four months paid vacation every year. And an enlightened poop changed my whole life. It, it, an it, enlightened poop? An enlightened doo-doo. Does Mike know this story? Maybe. I've never heard this. you never okay. heard this. Okay, so I'm all fucked up, man. Just, I'm, I'm, sit, I'm, I'm in a body that is hurting. Oh, wait. I am emotionally, I, I didn't, I lost the dexterity in my face due to the story I was telling myself about myself and what happened to me. I had all the people to blame and, and just victimhood descended. My face, I, could, I didn't laugh for a whole year. I couldn't get my face in position to, to... Are we talking like a physical thing or is this an emotional scene? Both. Both. Yeah. We, you know, our emotions, they influence what we do with our face. 100%. And if someone stays bitter for... I wasn't even bitter, dude. I was seething. I was seething. Martial arts was my only avenue of expression that really scratched the itch. And when that was gone, man, I reverted back to all my old bad habits plus some. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm sitting at the pool with uh, the, the high school and middle school uh, sports teacher, and he hands me this book. And he goes, you should, you should check this out. It's called the, health, the, the Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity by Daniel Reed, and it's about how the Taoists go about cultivating health. He talked about the meridian systems and energy and fasting and sleeping and meditation and, and, and sexual practices acu- and acupuncture, and, and I'd had some acupuncture in college I was like, okay, well, that, that makes sense. And I'm thumbing through this, this book, and I, it gets to pooping. And it showed a guy sitting on the toilet, and it diagrammed his insides, and then it showed a guy squatting and how it aligned. And I'm like, i got to take a shit right now. So I said, watch the kids. I went in to the bathroom, squatted down on the toilet, and had a glorious elimination. Wow. I stood up and it was, it, 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 lights went on in my head. I literally felt more alive. I had never had a poop (laughs) like that in my entire life. This is a truly enlightened poop. It's a truly enlightened poop. I walked out of the, I was immediately sold, walked right out of the, the, the bathroom, went over the dude and, and, and I was like, I'm, I'm taking this book and I'm reading it. He goes, better than that. Go talk to our vice principal because there's a fasting resort on the island of Koh Samui. You went to Copenhagen. Yes, Copenhagen. Did you go through Kosamoy? I, I stopped there to get like an extended visa, but I didn't have an enlightened poop. Right, right. You've probably been pooping enlightened for yeah. a while now. Yeah. So uh, he goes, there's a, there's a fasting resort that's built. The, the, the owner actually knows Daniel Reed, and their, their fasting protocol is built off of this book. I said, sign me up. I can start here. I can do something. This was a, you know, we're talking, we're talking later, and, and he's, he's opening about taking action. 
big picture, what he sees in the fitness industry. This was, this was an, av- I, I needed a way to start to work on myself. It didn't matter what it was. I could have started it anywhere. I just, I had no point to begin. This was it. And so I quadrupled down on uh, uh, doing these detoxes. And so I would go down with my, on my, when I had vacations and I'd do seven uh, day intestinal tract cleansing programs. And at the time, the spa was hot. It was hopping. You know, 50 people from all around the world that are weird like you in a similar way. Yes. They want something enough to where they will pay to not eat and stick five gallons of coffee water up their ass twice a day and really clean everything out, man. And so you can imagine, guess what everybody's talking about? Their poops. Guess what else everyone's talking about? Everything else under the sun as far as practices, alternative health practices. It was a mecca of practitioners and people coming in that that studied different things. So I had numerous, numerous paradigm-shattering conversations until I was like, okay, I'm going to go get trained in this one style of story work. I went to an emotional detox seminar, my fourth trip down there. Me and my dumbass, I, I snickered at it. Uh-huh. The guy was like, hey, man, there's an emotional detox seminar tonight. And I was like, emotional detox? He goes, dude, you need to go. Yes. And he said it in a way that he spelled me. He, he put a spell on me. And is this like a mentor of yours or a friend? What, good question. What ended up happening is I went to this, this emotional detox seminar and the guy that was facilitating it was a 70 year old british guy and he ended up being my mentor in this work he sounds like he's the quan he sounds like he's on a mountain barry musgrave i talk about him a lot when it's time to talk about this this part of the story uh he was known as barry the builder in totnes in in england and one of his son's best friends committed suicide he had a very he had a very successful building business and he looked at that, looked at the carnage that, it's, that it caused, and he goes, there has to be a better way. He sold his business and traveled around the world studying the best modalities of basically liberating people from the stories of themselves. And he was giving a, 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 a seminar on emotional freedom technique. Yeah. It's the tapping. Yep. Okay. And I watched him take a girl through a story that she was, she was all messed up about. Told the story at the first rendition, angry in tears. Second rendition, changed some words around. Sad, no tears. Third rendition, took out the end, switched something in the front. Now she's, now she's neutral, dude. So much so, she goes, you know, it was about her boyfriend and a bad breakup. She goes, you know, that guy was actually kind of weird. It was never going to work out anyway. Six minutes before, she was pissed, man. She hadn't been in a, a relationship in over four years because she was hanging on, she was gnawing on that bone. And I saw that and I said, that's, that's not my, st- I thank God I had the awareness to, to make this connection. I was like, that's not my story, but that's, that's the mechanism of the story. Mm-hmm. That's the mechanism, there's a mechanism. It almost sounds stories. in a way like NLP. It's, it's come from NLP. Yes. So the, the founder, um, Gary Craig, he studied, some, he studied NLP, he's a master NLP practitioner and thought field therapy, which is where he got the tapping. And he took uh, some of the language modalities from NLP and the tapping and combined it in e- to create EFT. And then he gave it away, dude. So I went, I would, in that seminar, I watched him do this work with this person. And then he's like, okay, pair up and work with uh, uh, the person next to you. And I'm like, shit. I, I listened to this girl tell me a story about something. I don't even remember what, but I was, you know, 
facilitating it. And then it came time for me to tell her. I was like, nope, I'm not saying anything to anyone. I got up and I just rolled, man. But what I did do, I took action. I went to an internet cafe and I downloaded the 80-page manual on how to do that shit on yourself. Mm. And I went to work. Yeah. And, and what year is this exactly? This is 2003. 2003. Yeah, 2003. Yeah. And went through the 80. Went uh, start seeing results. I'm like, give me all the give me all the DVDs. I ordered 88. It was like 82 DVDs. And what one of the reasons that EFT is what it is now, the dude he he's I can't sit, like if someone buys all those DVDs, you can't sell them, but you can make a hundred copies and give them away. He just shotgunned it out all over the place. Anyway. Watched all the DVDs, started working with people, and I'm like, I need to meet this guy. It's one of the things that I've done that, I'm, that I've made good decisions about in the development of my skill set. I go and I train with the founders of the systems that most impress me, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm eight for nine in, in seeking out. Do you feel like people do that from. with you as well? They are. Yeah. Is that what attracted Mike to you? No. That's a, that's a different story. We'll, talk, we'll get there in a minute. Yep. Yep. So I go do a training with with Gary Craig and I moved down to that same spa and worked there and that's where I cut my teeth doing a tremendous amount of of sessions one on one I lived in a hut on the beach on an island in the gulf of thailand never wore shoes if I said if I if I'm in shoes something bad has happened and um <laughs> yeah yeah and and then I was also giving presentations I knew I needed to leave. Like I knew I knew because I, I, I came to what in uh, quantum mechanics is called a choice point. I'm sitting in my hammock. One of my favorite things to do, and if I really got pushed, it's my favorite thing to do is to, is to speak publicly. I love presenting because I see it for what it is in my opinion, which is a craft. It is an orchestration. And the last 10% of orchestrating a transformational experience for people, that last 10%, there's so much fine-tuning and detail. It's a motherfucking razor's edge. Mm-hmm. And why I, when I used to fight, that's a razor's edge too. This line of work parallels that for me in the way it holds my focus. So there are very few things that hold my attention, okay? And s- consistently hold my attention. And, and this is one of them. So I'm in my hammock and, and I'm, dude, I had the life, bro. You know, early 30s, living on the beach in Thailand. I had the best bungalow on the beach. My commute was a 300-yard walk down to the spa on the beach. Okay, that was my commute. Mm-hmm. I had everything that any 30, young 30-year-old guy could want, man. Just what was the, missing then? Pressure. So I'm watching, I'm watching world-class speakers, YouTube channel, or YouTube videos, presentations, seminars, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is the, this is the power of a, of a thought, when it lands, when it, when it takes up residence in one's mind. I thought to myself, I can do that. So I'm watching people give presentations to 25,000 people filling out a stadium, and I look at that and I was like, I can do that. Now I'm screwed. Because the seed was planted. Because now I have only two choices. I can either stay in where I was, okay, and be the guy that 
does what he does and have that in the back of my mind that I could have done that. Or now I have to go out and do that. And I looked at those two paths and I was like, I go back to one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes, is it, I would rather be trampled in the stadium than be a spectator in the stands. So I left paradise and, and tripled down on the presentation work. And in the process of that, and I'll, I'll take this story up to Mike Bledsoe where we met and then hand it off to him. Mm-hmm. So be my guest. I took, I was having lived on that island for five years and all these people coming into the spa, I accumulated a network, a global network of like-minded people in a lot of the major cities in the world. And so I would find out where I, what I wanted to study and, and contact a friend there, whether it was London or LA or Istanbul or, or Sydney, or friends everywhere. Because, you know, you go through a, a cleanse like that with people and it's, it's it's a it's a bonding experience. Yeah, you're time. also doing some deep soul work as big well. Big time, man. People are having breakthroughs mm-hmm. and revelations and 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 making major life decisions. How did all you the how time. did you first hear about him? What did that look like? I'm I'm back in Thailand after I partnered up with my business partner Adam Chin, our business partner now in Enlifted. Um, we partnered up in 2014. And it was 2016, I was over there for a, uh, we were doing a, a little work trip, and I just get CrossFit podcasts stuck in my head. Another, another idea. And I'm like, okay, cool. Who do I know? I contact three box owners and two athletes. Who's got the best podcast in, in, in CrossFit? And everybody came back, barbell shrugged. And then our buddy Matt, Matt Walworth, he, 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 Followed up with another email said, oh, by the way, we have a mutual friend that knows Mike Bledsoe, Daniel Raphael. And I was like, I'll take that. Contact Daniel. Put me in touch with Mike Bledsoe, please. We get an email correspondence and ping pong back once, maybe twice, and we're on the calendar. Um, Did his show january 20th 2017 and a lot of very cool things and that's that's when the bromance probably started because there seems to be a unique bromance between you two i mean it's not the average business or friendship it's pretty palpable it's pretty obvious um mike you've been in fitness for 20 years plus right when did you actually start start working out yeah when was your first foray to the barbell oh i was 15 i was 15 i was prepping for it before i could touch it that yeah. uh, I remember I I wanted to start lifting weights when I was 13, but my parents, the gym that my parents were members at, you couldn't go in the weight room until you were 15. So they said, you have to wait till you're 15. So on my 15th birthday, I got my driver, my learner's permit to drive. And then I went and got my gym membership. And before that, I, I spent two years reading about training and nutrition and I was doing calisthenics and stuff at my house. But on my 15th birthday, I was in the gym. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, this is the shared energy of business and mindset and fitness that you guys have. You started kickboxing when? 2000. 2000. So there's like, there's like 40 years no, between the two me, of you. 96. 40 plus years between the two of you. This love, yeah. this passion for the physical. And Lifted is a fascinating concept, man. Tell people that don't know anything about Enlifted what it is. Well, it started off as uh, Mark and I were hanging out, and we wanted to throw a festival. 
We yeah, we wanted and it to, lifted festival. No, no, just a festival. Just a festival. Oh, okay. So we <laughs> we were hanging out and we started hanging out socially and uh, yeah, it was a good. It was over. It was about a year of hanging out, no intention of wanting to do anything other with each other other than be friends. And so we were hanging out at least once a month, so regularly, and then. Um, yeah, about a year into the relationship, we we go, oh, um, I see where we could we could put up together a little workshop. Um, well, we got talking about doing festivals, and there's workshops at festivals, and so well, let's put together a little workshop. We'll we'll do it at my house. We'll put together a little invite. We'll charge people some money, and so we, we called had, it Flow Stated. We we called it Flow Stated. That was the first name, and we had fun. We had fun doing it. There's a little bit of movement. There's a little, I don't know, I think we did a little movement, a little breath, a little language. And uh, we had no idea what we were doing. Like, he has his skill sets. I have my skill sets. We have understandings of each other's skill sets yeah. enough. We had a chalkboard with a bunch of crazy man's math on it. Oh, this, man. This is I, I, need to, I need to look all that up because that would be funny now. We have pictures. The pictures yeah, exist. I have, I have it on my phone. Yeah, it's been about a year and a half now, so... Where it started to where it is now, that's that's actually it's, interesting. So, dudes, the seed for Enlifted was planted less than two years ago. Yeah. That was a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. Yeah. What actually is it? What is Enlifted? It's a cognitive fitness training company. And what does that mean, cognitive fitness? So, everyone is has intellectual and emotional demands on their life, right? You go throughout the day and m- your mind is creating all these stories throughout the day. And maybe you do something that causes an emotional response. I mean, most likely we're experiencing, we're having emotional responses constantly throughout the day. I'm having them with you in this moment. So what ends up happening is we go throughout the day and we're having emotional responses and a lot of them we don't like. So we want to avoid them. So then we create these stories of avoidance and then they pile on top of more stories. And next thing you know, you know, we're having shitty days and and our atten- shitty weeks. Yeah, shitty, shitty weeks. Months. Tur- shitty weeks turning the months and years and, and then, identity, which turns into like a perma mood. And then it, it turns into a, it's our identity. Once our identity gets locked in and shitty, now we've got uh, now we've got something to contend with. Yeah, we have a real gorilla in the room. Yeah, people go, "That's just how I am. I'm depressed. <laughs> you know, I'm this. I'm that." And so the reason that this happens with people, the reason this happens to people is not really their fault because we're raised in an environment where you're born and then you're taught by your parents on how to, how to be, how to behave, how to, the words they're using are forming your thoughts and the words that they're using were formed by their parents when they were being raised. So we're basically being raised by a bunch of children and everyone's got a lot of shitty childlike thoughts. And those are the things that are still bouncing around in our heads as we, as we age. Now, there's no organization to it. So it just kind of gets dumped on you as you're getting older, and then you go into a classroom, and now you've got a teacher, and you see where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. Yes. It's just, shit's just getting piled on top of shit. So a big part of what we do is, and, and no one ever goes through and cleans it out, because we don't know how. And this is why I say it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility, because now you know. And once you know, now you got to make a choice, like Mark's choice point. It's like, oh, I could have been, I could just stay in the hammock 
or I could do something great. I can take some action yeah. and, and get in the, in the stadium. So what we do with people is we start teaching them how to organize their mind, how to, how to make meaning, good meaning out of what's going on in their body, their emotions. We create an, a way of organizing the mind to make it not only effective, but also creative. And so it's, it's, we're, we're helping people be more productive, efficient, creative, all of these things. Because the way that most people's minds are built right now is it's very destructive. And so there's a lot of focus on what, they, what people do not want to happen. And the, the pictures and the stories that are being generated in your mind over and over and over again is creating your reality. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not real, which is the craziest part. Right. Well, it's the, the majority le- of it's them the, aren't. It's the lens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the, it's the, and then there's also the lens of how you see the world. Yeah. So you walk around you may not even recognize that there's all this really cool stuff going on because your, your vision is so narrow. I've had the experience. And I've watched other people go through the experience of changing their perception of the world through changing their language. And then all of a sudden colors get brighter yes and the ability to see opportunities and this opportunity was fucking right under my nose this whole time, time. That's oh now deal. i know how to take advantage of it yep. and it's because people's minds are they're they're really it can be narrow at times and my mind has been narrow a lot in the past and i imagine that in five years from now i'll look back on 37 year old mike and go <laughs> <laughs> if it, and that's that's the thing is if I'm not giggling at the way that I thought a week ago, I'm not growing. Yes. So it, it's a good thing to look back on ourselves and giggle at how silly we were. And also, everybody's doing the best they can with the consciousness they have at each given moment. And I look at the way you guys came together through athletics with this understanding of like the beauty of life. You both have this curious playfulness to you and you're both teachers, which is kind of rare to have both of those things. Like usually people fall into like just the playful category. They're not being serious. They don't want to speak or the other side of the coin. Well, I think you, the, you guys seem to have both. There's, there's a new era. So there's a new era of teacher coming in. The old teacher will not survive. What's the new teacher's name? The new Who teacher. Is this? Actually, this was coined by, uh, I don't know if it was coined by him, but it was, uh, I was at his conference. He lives in Bali. Shit, what's his name? Uh, he, he runs Wealth Dynamics. Oh, um, Interesting. Somebody right now is listening and they're going, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to mind right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I've met fine. him a few that's times. Fine. He called it he calls it the leading learner. The leading learner. Yeah. And yeah. so the leading learner wasn't really possible in the past in the same way it is now. So what we get to do is because we have social media and we have constant access to information. So people get to watch my day to day, right? And they get you're a you're a leading learner too. We're podcasting, right? So they get to tune into your conversation for an hour two hours, three hours a week. They're following you on Instagram. And so they're learning because you're learning. So you're leading the learning process. And so you're a student, right? And so the best teachers are students. I mean, if you want to look at all this philosophical shit, every great teacher, you know, considers themselves a student. I have a friend, uh, Zach Evanesh. One of his quotes is always a white belt. And I've heard of martial artists wanting to be buried, you know, in their white belts that were, you know, they were black belts. And so, um, 
the, the, what we're witnessing now in the 21st century is we get to be leading learners, which m- makes my job so much easier. I don't have to know it all. All I got to do is be curious. It relieves such a pressure valve, which then with, without that pressure, you can be so much more powerfully creative Yeah, because you don't have to seem perfect that you're on the mountaintop. I'm curious. And sometimes people come to me like last year you said this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was wrong. Yeah. You know, it's okay. I, again, I got to be able to laugh at myself from a week ago. I got to be able to, to people go, oh, I want to listen to your podcast. Should I start at the very beginning? I say, no. Start at the most Don't recent. Don't listen to mine at the beginning. Mo- <laughs> listen to the most recent and go yeah. back. Because if you listen to what I said three years ago, I've found a lot of stuff out since then. Yeah. So the leading learner is the new teacher. Oh, and if this. somebody's not willing to be vulnerable publicly in their learning process, it's just not interesting to people anymore. Yeah. Because this is way more interesting. And both of you talk from your heart space all the time. Um, would you consider yourself a man that wears your heart on your sleeve? No. That's honest. I, I see there's flowers on your sleeve, not a heart. I do have some flowers on my sleeve. Um, how do, you, how do I, you wear your emotions different than Mike? What's the differentiator between you two? There's a blend there that works. That's a good question. How do I do it differently? Mm-hmm. I hold back more than Mike does. It's in my nature, and, and I appreciate a stoic approach. Mike is, he's real time. There are pros and cons to both. Um, and I watch him. I learn from him. He's more emotionally fluid than I am. What does he learn the most from you? <laughs> I think what's really cool about our friendship right now uh, up to this point is I think we've learned both from each other a lot about from each other's strengths. So uh, I've seen Mark loosen up over the past few years and be more expressive more quickly. Um, And then for me, I've, I've learned to watch what I say before it comes out. And so uh, being, being around Mark has caused me to really slow down uh, my speech really slow down and consider the words I said before they come out of my mouth. I remember, I remember growing up and hearing, you know, that advice is, you know, watch what comes out of your mouth or, you know, don't yeah. you think before you speak Think before you speak. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. A, that's a common one, yeah. which I actually, I don't like that. So I think that's bad advice. What is a better way of saying it is say what you mean. So what ends up happening is it, there's, uh, thinking before you speak is different than thoughtless speech. And so when I'm speaking from the heart, which is where I like to speak from, is the heart and the body have no words, right? The heart and the body speak with feeling. Yes. And then you have this mind that needs to translate the feeling into a message that is going to land for somebody else, right? So this is this is the... This is the, the key to, to communication, really. And most people suck at it. And I am always trying to get better at it. And so... He's, you, he's really good at it. If you speak from it's the... A, it's a skill. It's a superpower. If you speak from the mind only, then the mind is there as a protector and, and generates mostly fear. And so people who speak from mind only 
are going to have a really hard, challenging life, and it's going to feel very, feel very unsatisfied. They have a large audience, though, because a lot of those minds are set up for fear as well. Yeah, I mean, but who wants to be a part of that crowd? Not me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the challenge is like, okay, well, how do I translate what my heart and body are saying? You know, my body is my intuition. My heart is my, is my drive. It's my intention. It's where I'm going. And it creates my vision, but the, it's created from a feeling. And so what I get to do now is my job is to say, how do I link my, bo my body, my heart, my mind in a way that is going to land for you in a, which, in a way that makes sense? And so um, generating from, from here, from my, from my heart, is where I want to generate my communication from. But I need to be carefully curating and, and articulating every word so that it means to you what it means to me, yeah. right? And so now I've got to be in connection with the other person too because I need to know how you're going to hear it. So I've got to be picking up on how your filters. So A, I got to get through my own. I got to get through my own and say what it is I really mean, right? And then I have to consider how you're listening. And so some of the big pitfalls, and Mark's really helped me with this, is I, I was doing a pretty good job before and then when I was introduced to vocabulary and a lot of the way that Mark teaches and the way that he lives his life is my heart speaking and, my, and I'm generating words, my mind is generating words, but it's actually not saying, the words that are coming in my mouth actually don't match what's happening in my heart. Yeah. Because I'm just like, Bleh, right? Uh, it, was, it was thoughtless speech. And a lot of people call that self-expression but it's it's an immature version of self-expression and a lot of people go around hurting other people's feelings saying well i'm just self-expressed it's mm -hmm. like no you're a dick it's, or, or they'll so. say or they'll say something like this is just my truth brother exactly it's like, well, your truth is kind of sloppy yeah like i can't actually feel your truth that's a that's a really good way of putting it is it's sloppy <laughs> it's, your truth is a little sloppy your truth is sloppy like, i want to take it in but so it's i i take 100 responsibility for my communication yeah and that means that if it's not landing for you in a way that is, is the way I intended it to, I am looking for a way to, to improve that. So, uh, yeah, being around Mark has taught me to speak more. I, this is what my heart's saying. What is it that I'm really trying to say? Because a lot of times my heart's trying to say something. And then, uh, for one example, one type of conflict language in vocabulary is negations. Yeah. And a lot of times the mind, the heart will say what it wants, and then the mind will come in and, and only let out what it does not want. Yep. And so learning to, if you start cutting out the negations and start focusing on only affirmations and as an example, and as your heart speaks, everything slows down, becomes more intentional and it's thoughtful speech. The architect, the conflict. This is what I dig about vocabulary. I'm 36% into the course, by the way. My man. This is an amazing program you've created. And I can see why the blend of fitness and mindset and language is so powerful. I've been triggered really hard lately by people's speech when someone says, I should go there. That word should, that specific word is like a dagger. It like hurts me when I hear people say it lately. Why do you think that triggers me? And that's obviously the conflict language, correct? Well, I want to speak up into that real yeah. quick. Um, I think for you, there's an opportunity to be, and I've, when you get all the way through the course, yeah. this will help. But I think you have an opportunity to instantly translate other people. So... I already feel like I'm getting some nuances of it already. Yeah, so like it's, big ones. When a lot, people say, 
the more aware I've become of language, which is by the day, it's, 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 it's in there. It's happening yeah. all the time. There's yeah. a constant analysis. I've become way more compassionate mm-hmm. and that when someone is speaking in a way that I wouldn't speak, I just, I know they don't know. I know they don't know yeah. and it's okay. And I get to translate for them on the spot. And then you know what that, that does for me is I know exactly what their heart's saying. I'm getting, I won't say exactly, but I'm, I'm more accurate in knowing what they really mean than they do at times. And so my ability to communicate with them is at all time high. And, and I think that's a, that's a pro level move yeah. uh, when it comes to leadership and influence. And who would have known that vocabulary has a mystic connection where you can actually sense what somebody means from their heart and they don't know that's, that's powerful, man. How did you even it's, come up with the conflict and the architect? This thing started and I almost puked. <laughs> you got shitting and puking in your stories? <laughs> I, I got yeah. nauseous mm-hmm. when I put pen to paper for the first time. I was two years into my coaching practice. I'm, I'm 12 now. And a client said, this is great. And you know, I'm... I'm when I go home, what do, what do I do? And I was, I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and I wrote out a couple of paragraphs and I stared at those paragraphs and I looked at the next 40 years of my life. And I'd never looked at my life that way before. And I said, I'm going to be distilling and developing and researching this one message which is summarized in one word, abracadabra, uh, interestingly enough. I'm going to be doing this for a long time. This is a monumental amount of work. And then it began. And this was not inspired by Half-Baked whatsoever, the movie? Not at all. Okay, which just making clear. I watch that clip. Because I'm time. going right to Half-Baked That's right now. hilarious. Absolutely hilarious clip. We'll get to Abracadabra okay, yeah, in a second. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote down two paragraphs. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we're missing that out. And wrote, then two paragraphs turned into four, and four turned into eight, and eight turned into a page, and then one page turned into two pages, and, and then, then it had three pages. And then I was, I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, shit. Right around the same time is when I was having that conversation with myself about, uh, you know, do I go out and master the art of public speaking? Or do I stay in my hammock and know that I could have? There's some other soft talk for you. You know, I, 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 I guess I could do that. Define soft talk real quick for people that don't know. Soft talk is, so the soft talk keywords, I thinks, maybes, mm. possiblys, probably. Kinda, is kinda a soft kinda, talk Kinda, sorta. It's almost like they soften our position on things, create an immense amount of indecision. Indecision is extremely stressful. It's a certain flavor of stress. And if it's prolonged, then it, it, it can get people sick even. Yeah. It robs I, I people of confidence. Yeah. yeah. It robs people of confidence. It, it creates a, uh, a, a lack of solidity in people and makes it generally uncomfortable to, to, to speak into existence. Generally uncomfortable and with enough soft talk, impossible to speak into existence and then take action on what we want. It also, uh, uh, syntactically, it's really weird. 
So I think I will go to paleo effects. Okay? How many eyes are in that statement? There's two. I think I, now there's two of me. Why do I need another version of me in the, in the conversation about what I'm going to do? No. Either I am or I'm not. Make the statement, feel how it feels, and uh, uh, navigate accordingly. When you say feel how it feels, though, this is what Mike was talking about. Maybe it's even a factor of what heart math describes as coherence, mm. like true coherence between the breath and the heart. So I'm just curious, like, how have you used that type of awareness in this structure of vocabulary? In other words, the somatic experiencing of the words. Did you take that into account when you designed the, the conflict and the archetype or the architect? It, it's a part of it for sure. And I've, I, got, I got granular with the, with the words, observing what words people were saying. So most people, their thought processes are looping and global. I want to take the thought process out of someone's head, get it on paper. And it's not that I want to do it. I do do this. Get it on paper. And now we can, now that it's, now that it's on paper, it's got, it's got bookends on it. There's a start and a finish. It could be one sentence. It could be a hundred. It doesn't matter. It is now finite instead of this infinite loop. And we can start to observe what words are keeping their focus locked in place with the glue of their emotional response as the adhesive. So my car, my car got stolen in August of 2018. I walk out the door where my car was parked the night before, and it's now gone. Cool. Call the cops. They're coming. Call my dad. Hey, dad, car got stolen. I need the farm truck. The farm truck, which he's seen... Is, I've ridden in it. It's badass. Mint condition, 1985 Ford F-150, two tones of brown. Call it brown and browner. And it sits out at the farm. It's one of my father's fo- prized possessions. He bought it new right off the showroom Where's floor. Where's the farm? In the middle of Virginia. <sighs> Ten minutes outside of a one-stop light town called Dillwyn, Virginia. He's been there twice. I've been looked at funny there. It's oh, dude! <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you know what a food Who's line this guy with is. The sleeve and the beard. No, oh, it's no, better it's than better that. Better than that. Oh, okay. He crushed it, dude. Oh wow! I I was enjoying myself. Here's what happened. So I take Mike Bledsoe to town, which is the one stoplight. We have two convenience stores, uh, uh, a supermarket called Food Line. You ever heard of a Food Line? No, it sounds and very then, specific. Then a Chinese restaurant called China just so nobody gets confused, okay? Mike goes into the supermarket, food line, wearing party boy shorts. They're just short shorts, not party boy shorts. To them, they have never seen anything like this no, before. I've got party with, boy shorts, with, but... With a, hand, with a fanny pack on. So, so, yeah, short shorts, like ranger panties, fanny pack, the zero sandals. Zero yeah. sandals and a, and a tank top. and um, Flat brim cap. It, it's... <laughs> Nobody dresses like that there. It's all, it's all, it's, they're, just, they're country, bro. I mean, country, country. And um, so, you know, he, he, scratched a, he scratched the record there. <laughs> interesting side note, very interesting. So I take the farm truck and I drive that thing around Richmond for two months. And it definitely didn't take two months. It took, it took all, just, just one day of me driving that farm truck around Richmond to start seeing Ford F-150s, 1985s, all over the place. We've all had that. Ex- we've all had that happen to us. Yeah. 
are mine re- was a '66 Mustang in high school. You bought it. You had a '66 Mustang. I had a '66 Mustang. Oh yeah. Mine was, That's badass. Mine was a 289. 289, white on the outside. Mine was blue. Yeah, blue interior. Shut the me. fuck up. Yeah. That's crazy. That's really cool. So this association, <laughs> it's, it's the well. neuro association is what you're pointing to. What people can research this, everyone, the reticular activating system. This is so important in, in the conversation of, of how our words influence us as far as the hardware is concerned, as far as the identities we create, knowing that this is part of the process it's it, it it helps people make sense of of their experience of their story of why they see what they see of why like mike said earlier why some people miss opportunity why will three people have this uh have, see be be in the same environment and and one person will see the opportunity to network or develop you know a business or something the other two completely miss it mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes down to the words we use. So if I think, you know, uh, everybody's out to get you, man. You know, you can't, you can't, there it is. You can't trust anybody. If I grow up and my, my, my dad says that, or my mom says that, you know, men are men, you can't trust men. Money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't grow on trees. So, you know, you, you can't trust anybody. And I go, I then go out into the world with that filter in place I'm literally, for the same reason that I started seeing 1985 Ford F-150s all over the place, so the reticular activating system, it locates things, it locates what we're looking for. Whatever we deem important, it finds more of it. Whatever we, whatever we, and whatever we focus on, it, it, it thinks that that's the thing to find more of. And while it's finding more of that, that one thing, it's editing out the other things. I didn't see any blue vans, no white Oldsmobiles, nothing. Just those trucks. So you can't trust anybody. Or, you know, it's, it's, it, you, it, you, you just, you, you, you can't get ahead these days. You hear that 20, 30 times as Life a kid? Life is hard. Life is hard. Yeah. Life is hard. And the person saying it, who's probably much bigger in stature, stature, stature than you, and they're, they're emotional, potentially, when they say it, that, is, that magnetizes that, that concept, that idea. It goes in and it starts to do what it's already doing for that person. I'm pretty sure that I just got a download that this is a hard drive reprogram because yeah. this, the files are stored from childhood, like you even talked about, right? Really early. So vocabulary in these systems are going in there and rewiring, literally, almost like you're pulling chips in and out like Data did in Star Trek, taking out chips and putting in new ones. This is not just language. It's a reprogramming of the of the synapses and how they actually work. It goes deep. It goes deep. Yeah. And what else goes deep? You can start. Deep is you can start breathing. at the surface, and then you can go as deep as you want. Yes, so. In, including with your breath. We talk a whole lot. It's breath is a huge component of this of this conversation of enlifted. So when people use conflict language, it's called conflict language for a reason because it creates conflict. Whether I'm blaming someone, there's your projections, or I've got the worst case scenario going on, you know, I don't want this to happen. Let me stare at that 20, 30 times throughout the day. That'll, that'll, that'll suffice. And then I'm um, umming and erring about the things that I possibly could do one day if only such and such would happen. There's the soft talk. I've got a Molotov cocktail of highly inflammatory language that puts me in a sympathetic nervous system response, a stress response, and guess what the fuck happens? My breathing gets trapped in my chest, and my, my shoulders are tight, and my jaw is tight, and my body doesn't move very well. And guess what else is all locked up? My butthole, my pucker. I'm puckered up, a tight ass. 
and and when someone's breathing mechanics are, are messed up and they enter into a a a, a a a an athletic endeavor what's going to happen mike bledsoe tunnel vision and we see this um i was introduced to tunnel vision specifically in the military you start getting into uh people it's, it's really popular there you get into a firefight and can't hear anything and all you can see is what's in front of you or the thing the immediate threat and you're it's really easy to get flanked when you're having that experience it happens in sports competitions stress gets really high breath gets short cortisol goes up tunnel vision you can only see the threat you can only see the thing that's that is that and you get closed off to everything else you get closed off to other possibilities um so that so when it comes to story we get attached to that story and we get tunnel vision on that story and it's the only thing we can see we've all run into it we have a friend who is freaking out about a thing and we go hey it's not that big of a deal there's what about this this and this yeah. uh, no no they can't even hear you right we've yeah. all witnessed that but we all do it to some degree right so we get so focused in on the story how many countless times i've uh, in my entrepreneurial career i end up locked in an office somewhere trying to solve a problem that if i just fucking did some breath work went for a walk outside talked to a few people i'd realize that the thing i was focused on was yeah. never going to solve the issue in the first place why do and we get it, distracted on these things that don't matter then like what actually is that it's the tunnel vision it's the getting attached to the story because the story is not true it's an opinion most of the time it was it's a, like there was a girl it, that stood up in the uh workshop or did yesterday and she 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 read off you know i'll never make it i'm not lovable people don't really respect me and then seven other statements and we worked we talked her down from that emotional ledge and then pointed out the fact that those aren't fucking facts that those are just opinions <laughs> that part of her believes because she has another part of her that goes out and engages in life and it, it's it's people have very little awareness of how they know what they're saying they have very little awareness education about how the words are interacting with them, the mechanism of story. We talk about that a lot. And we've inherited a language with some glitches, bro. Conflict language. People people take it in or it, it goes into them and we inherit it. It's an, language is an inheritance. We inherit it from our parents and from their parents and along with the, the magnitude of emotions and feelings they've created and it gets passed down like this emotional wave. I see it like that in my in my mind and then we get we inherit the, the storytelling mechanism too and, and, and the tones and inflections and you hear that thing, oh, you sound just like your mother. Well, actually, you know what you do? And then someone locks themselves up and they get into comparison hell and I'm an I'm not good enough story and then they go in the gym and they hurt themselves. I'm, I'm sitting here today because I hurt myself. Nobody hurt me. I fueled my athletics career with fear. Based on the thought processing and the yeah. improper conflict language. Yeah. That came way before the gym. Yeah. That, that something's wrong with me and I'm not good enough. And I'm going to go beat some people's asses <sighs> to prove that I am. This is why people push so hard in the gym. I never thought about the connection to thought process and language, how that transfers to training. 
I've, I've never made that connection. Rest days freak people out. They have a cheat meal and they want to immediately go run a half marathon to burn the damn thing off. And 17 other ways of, of, of piling it's like countless. Mike started shit on top of shit on top of shit. Yeah, expecting that it will someday get better if they work hard enough, if they white knuckle it enough. Yeah, and eventually it's conditional. Uh, and 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 we we coined the term cognitive fitness because mindset is limited. I had a mindset. I'm I am a mediocre athlete. What I did possess was a a a mindset that when I got into the ring, I sh- I sh- I I rose to the occasion. I was a mediocre guy in the gym. In the ring, I was a fucking ringer. And I thought that was a really cool thing until I lost the ability due to injury. So I only had one gear. Push harder, get stronger, be tougher. Just tough it out, okay? And when I lost the opportunity to walk that dog, as in I couldn't work out, I wasn't fighting, that dog turned on me. I didn't have an off switch for it. I didn't have uh, mo- mental mobility practices. I didn't have any down regulatory practices in my story. It was either in your face or asleep. And that, I almost, I almost didn't make it back from that, man. What do you and mean you didn't make it back? I didn't care if I lived or died. I wasn't suicidal, but I do remember... A couple of occasions, one of them, I'm hauling ass down a highway in, in a main road in, in Bangkok, drunk, and, and I'm observing myself, and I'm like, don't care. If I go, if I go now, it, at least the, 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 there'll be a legacy there. You know, People, people will, I'll, I'll, they'll remember me as that fighter, that guy. I was, I was like, 27 years old, man. And I'm not alone. My identity, the de- we did, we, I did a TED talk on this. The definition of identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. We all see ourselves differently than we did when we were five. Our identities are not facts. They're not the facts of who we are. Identity is an ongoing, fluid, flexible process. The pro in vocabulary is not for professional. It's for process. Process, vocabulary. Procabulary puts people in process. It gets them going. It gets them breathing. It gets them moving different, thinking different. <sighs> Stuff like that. That's a big deal because you can do this. I could have done that for 30 years, and I also recognize that about a year, and I'm like, wait a minute. If I do this for another three decades, then uh, uh, I, 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 I didn't lose I, I beat myself. Mm. What a waste. What a waste. I was like, there's got to be something better. Then the book shows up. Doo-doo time, heavenly doo-doo, and then I'm off to the races. The enlightened poop the changed enlight- everything, the enlight- man. The enlightened it, poop. You know what's fascinating, too, is, is I was reading on your site and in your coursework, there's this concept of, and Mike even brought it up to me when I was triggered by the should, it's, it's practicing kindness as you go through your vocabulary training. The kindness practice goes against the angry dog that you're talking about. Can you dive into that a little bit? Because the kindness is a skill set of its own, being kind to oneself in the learning process. Developing, developing the ability to be kind. I did not have the ability to be kind. I did not have the ability to be kind to myself first and foremost. And 90% of the time when I was kind to other people, I was faking. 
You're I'd, faking being faking. kind. Oh, yeah. I did have my moments. I've, I've been a cold motherfucker my, most of my life, and I'm coming out of that. Okay? It's a process. And I'm, I'm just, just like the way that I normally Isn't speak. Isn't every day a fucking process? It's, it's a process. I want to point something out, which is uh, being kind to yourself yeah. allows you to learn much faster. Much. Thank you. People, you know. It, it's got a stigma around it, it. You know, forget, forget the, yeah, forget any hippy dippy, like, oh, I'm going to be kind shit. If you're kind to yourself, you can learn faster. It's a trick to, to be sharper, smarter. I can be compassionate and kind. Uh, I, I recognize this when I trained jujitsu. As I remember, uh, one of my uh, coaches, he's black belt from Brazil. He goes, hey, man, you want to know what I can tell that guy is going to be really good? And I can tell that guy is going to leave. He said what the difference was. It's like that guy's laughing every time he gets choked, every time he gets arm barred. He's enjoying the process of learning. Because he was being kind to himself. He didn't go, fuck, fuck, I just fucked up. I just got caught in an arm bar. No, he's like, ha, ha, ha. He's laughing at himself. <laughs> right. He's being kind to himself. He's yeah. being kind. Uh, he's, he's inside the process. And I remember that it was very early in my jujitsu career. And he points that out. And I go, cool. And I, because there was a reason he was telling me that. It's because I wasn't laughing <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was... I, would, I, was, he could t I wasn't the worst. I wasn't the worst about beating myself up, about making mistakes on the mat, but um, I could have been a lot better. And I started getting a lot better. I put a lot of attention into making it playful. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's another thing. People go, oh, why is this? How can this guy pick up this skill so fast? He, he looks like he's just having a good time. It's the good time that's making him good at picking up the skill faster. It's not, a, it's not the other way around. People, people mistake results and byproducts constantly. What about in Lifted allows people to access that joy point where they can learn faster? It helps them down-regulate. When I'm up-regulated, look this one up, amygdala hijack. When I'm up-regulated and stressed and mad because I got arm-barred or whatever, I didn't hit the, the, the lift I was looking for, I get, that, I get that tunnel vision, and it's very hard, damn near impossible, for better information, also called learning, to come in. You've seen this people drive and they're late and they're stressed out they have to turn the radio radio down because they can't even hear themselves think sometimes they're up over the the steering wheel like this they're top heavy the breath is trapped up here we get people breathing we we start the conversation with words and through that process and and we've got breath practices coming and movement practices coming start it with the words and translating coming out of a coming out of a thought and spoken word habit that that creates a lot of conflict and stress into one that's that's so conflict language to architect language the breath begins to descend down into the abdomen and when that happens people become much better learners because they're listening because they're open they have a mental real estate available to unlearn what they've learned. The definition of unlearn is to undo the effect of. And whether it's a story or a new lift or, or you want to be better at relationships, get that breathing working for you, man. Most people's breathing works against them. It's, same, mm -hmm. it's the same with people's language. Most people's language works against them. We help people get their language to work for them. 
Because when someone's language is working against them, I know it. I lived it. Everything's an uphill battle, man. I got to push this rock up that hill as opposed to, you know, other ways. So at the foundation is the breath. Then right above that is the language. But don't those two things all stem into like an imprinting of belief? Isn't belief at the bottom of it all what someone actually believes? How much belief processing work do you guys go through? Well, what, what, are, what are beliefs made of? Well, beliefs are just information. They're yeah, but, evidence that's been collected. But what a, if you have a belief, what are the, what's that belief made of? Uh, whatever my imagination says so. It's the words. Yeah. The belief has, is a phrase. Right. So, of course, we work with that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> it's the base of it all. Yeah. I mean, we can about identity. I am this. I am that. Mm -hmm. I am tired. You know, people, people are, I am sick. I am. I'm healthy. I mean, it goes both ways. Daniel Coyle, in his, in his book, Talent Code, they, they track music students in middle school. And so they had them identify themselves as uh, a musician, as uh, someone who's just taking a class, or someone who will practice for uh, two to three years all throughout middle school. The people that identified themselves as musicians pra could practice the less could practice the least, and they got the better the fastest, be simply because they identified themselves as such. My life changed for me the day that I identified myself as a martial artist. Mm. I walked in the gym different. And we're all doing this, for better and for worse. Most of the time, it's a mixed bag. So what? It is what it is. And let's, get, let's, let's, let's tip the scales in our favor. Yeah. I identify myself as a trusting, authentic, inspiring leader. Um, how do you identify yourself I'm a today? World, I'm a world-class CEO. Yeah. So I, I do want to touch on this because this is something I've been thinking about. I don't think I've talked to Mark about this. Um, is we have actions that, are, that come from thoughts and thoughts come from or run through the filter of beliefs, but beliefs are run through the filter of identity. And so there's layers to this. And so um, I, I think the deepest work is the identity work. You, we can play around. Most people play in the realm of action. Just, you know, do the thing. Which is healthy in some way. It's better than not it, doing it. It's, it's better, in, it's better intelligent than action, inspired action. Well, I'll say this is a lot of people, like for, we'll, we'll, take, we'll do this with fitness. All right. I've got my workout plan. So I'm going to take action by, I'm going to do the workout and I'm going to eat the way I'm supposed to. But if you, if there's not a, if you don't have solid thinking and beliefs behind your why in that whole situation, you're gonna end up hitting failure, missing days, not not being able to be flexible with it. There's gonna be a lot of issues there. So like action, for most people are taking action, but there's so much inflexibility underneath that that and there's all these shitty beliefs and yeah. an identity underneath it that it makes it difficult. The action is hard. It's like a grind. I. There's, a, there's an organization that I used to uh, participate in that they would, be, they would say things like, don't believe your feelings, just take action. Uh -huh. And I, that was one of the things I had an issue with, uh, with that program. Uh, overall, 99% of what they're doing is awesome. But that's one of those things where I'm like, hmm, here's the issue is, is, I think it's the hard way to go is because there's a lot of ways to transform who you are, right? And one is to take action, repetition. I keep doing this thing and I'll become this thing. But what if you can go all the way back to the identity, shift the identity, and now the action becomes automatic. Now I'm having to spend way less energy to do the thing. 
I'm doing the same thing. I'm now doing it better. But if we can go all the way back to identity, why are people not doing this? Because they don't know how. If they knew how to shift their identity instantly into being something new, they would start, the behavior would automatically show up. There'd be a lot less emotional stress in the process and they'd have way more energy at the end of the day. Trying to repattern things with, with brute force and willpower breaks is, you. Yeah. It'll break you. It's hard. But it's also so alluring in media, like Gary Vaynerchuk. Like, you got three hours at 3 a.m. to work. You show me that person, and you, I'm going to show you someone who's aging quickly. Yeah. Who's got bags under their eyes? For sure. All right. For sure. So, who's, I, I, I have some friends that are pushing that right now, and I'm like, yeah. I've known you for three or four years, and you've aged 10, right? Yeah. I, it happens in the entrepreneurial world a lot. So, Good for you for putting money in the bank or for making an impact, whatever cost, but you're killing yourself in the process. Ah, oh, this and, is the blend. And here's the thing is, is you're gonna, I'm going to watch, and I have watched, the wheels come off. They get sick. They have to take real time off. They quit whatever it is that they were doing. They can't, they can't keep it up. Can't do it. It's not sustainable. So what we really focus on is how do we create sustainability over time with ease. I'm not saying you're not going to have challenge. Uh, I, I, I've had shifting my identity into something that's much different than what I was before. That comes with challenges. I have to learn a whole lot of new things, but it's, it's happened. I'm able to take on new shit a lot faster than I used to. And a lot faster than a lot of other people. What did you let go of the old identity? It's funny. This concept of my new life is going to cost me my old one. I've been saying it. that a lot lately. I post on social. I'm like, it came up with Christine yesterday in the podcast. Sure. The new life, the world-class CEO, the founder of Procabio and Lifted, the host of Wellness Force, like there's something that had to die <laughs> in order for the new thing to emerge. What died? <laughs> the, the conversation I've been having with myself is if I really, I have to look at where I came from. And... It was, it was much different than what I am now. And I realized that the, the level of success that I can have and, and being what I want to be, that I'm living into, who I am becoming, is only limited to what I am willing to give up. And I've recently, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty good at letting go. I don't, my relationship with fear is, is pretty good. I, I think I have some natural tendencies in that direction already. And I've developed them. I recently have put everything on the table. I said, there's nothing that I used to, I used to have some sacred cows. I had some things like, I won't, I won't let go of this. Uh, one of the, one of those things has been my, my, uh, marriage. So it was, that was, uh, something that shifted in my identity that used to be completely off limits. I will do, I will change anything. I will shift anything, but not that. And I think a lot of, some people would say you've gone too far, <laughs> hmm. you know? And, um, but for me, that was, that was a deal I made. I had some conversations with myself, had some conversations with the universe. And I said, you know, really show me my heart and get really in touch with my heart. And I made an oath to take action on what it is that my heart was telling me. And I made an oath that, and I made a promise that every single thing in my life is on the table because I'm 37. 
my life has been really fucking cool. I've lived more life than almost anybody I know. I've run into people, I'm like, Mark's one of the few people, I'm like, hey, you've lived as much life as me for sure. It's been good. I live a good life. It's beautiful. It's easy. Let's, you know, I could just be sitting in the hammock, but I'm ready to fucking really get after it. Yeah. And everything's on the table. And I actually, I don't know where it's going. You know, that's the beautiful thing, isn't it? I have identities I'm living into, but it's never going to stop. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep having fun. I'm going to keep teaching. And I'm, I'm of the mindset as I'm going all the way to the top. Where is the top? I don't fucking know, but I'm going to keep moving and we'll see. Well, that's going to be a good book. That's a great way to cap the show in lifted.me is everything you just spoke to. Yes. So you live it and breathe it, man. And so do you. It's been a joy to talk to you guys today. Thank you, Josh. What is going on for the rest of the conference? What are you guys excited about? Speaking, we have a, we get to talk. We have a, an hour long workshop together. Yeah. And uh, we have a booth here, and we have a we have a team of people that Red are team A team down on the floor uh, selling coaching, and we're having fun. This this is the most fun conference. This is the best conference it's of the best. year. It's the fucking best. Thank you, Michelle and down. Keith, the entire crew, Paleo yes. FX. Yes, thank you. And um, we're talking about Enlifted more at Wellness Force. So wellnessforce.com forward slash group. Also, I just want to say, you guys. The way that you articulate yourselves, this has been the most powerful conversation about language I've ever had. And we had Mary Shores, who wrote Conscious Communications on the show, but Enlifted took it a step further. And I got love for Mary, too. So thanks, guys, for coming on. Thanks for having us, man. Hey, my friend. Thank you for hanging out and growing with me today. Everything you learn on this podcast starts with your morning practices. So from over 200 world-class guests and counting, we've distilled the gems, the best of the best science-backed practices down into a 21-minute morning system guaranteed to increase the positive flow in your day. Get this free and powerful 21-minute life-changing system over at wellnessforce.com forward slash M21. If you enjoyed this episode, tap your phone, share it with someone you care about because that is how we all get better together. Supporting the show is easy. Leave us a five-star review right now from your phone. It helps us reach other smart and conscious people like you. Either tap your phone and hit the link in purple that says review this podcast or go to wellnessforce.com forward slash review. And this show doesn't stop here. We're continuing the discovering process in our private Facebook group. You can be a part of it. All you have to do is go to wellnessforce.com forward slash group and I'll welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and live your life well. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness 